Dear listener, I hope this letter finds you well. The committee has reviewed your application and is delighted to inform you of your admission to Bullen State University, class of 2022. We received a multitude of applicants and your mild tendency to procrastinate stood out amongst a talented pool of feet draggers, game players, goof-offs, and all-around languishers. In a highly competitive application cycle, your talent for paraphrasing spark notes and your technical aptitude for using the calculator on your phone set you apart from other highly qualified applicants. Your accomplished record of bouncing back from bad hangovers demonstrates that you are a true leader among your peers. We think you are a great match for this prestigious university, or at the very least, that you'll get used to it. Your comprehensive financial aid package is attached. In light of these unique economic times, we are proud to offer you an additional loan to pay for required books, computers, and student activity fees. Is it a loan or a grant? We're not sure, but we'll need the money back from someone eventually. Soon you will receive an invitation to your college visit day when you will get a chance to experience your classmates on their best behavior, the dorms you won't live in, and engaging social life available every Thursday night. I mean, Saturday afternoon at Boone State University. Once again, congratulations. We hope to see you in September. Welcome to the Supply and Demand Podcast. This is um, this is your host Greg, along with um, my my pals, my buddies, my colleagues, uh, and I, I guess I'll pass the mic off to Nate to um, to explain what's going on here. Thanks, Greg. I'm Nate. I'm uh, I'm a co-host. Before I explain what's going on, I'd I'd pass the mic to my two other co-hosts so they can remind everyone who they are. Oh, hey, uh, I'm Mike, and I'm going to then pass the mic from Nate over to the last co-host. I, I'm the last co-host, Stephen, and now that we've gone through all the co-hosts, I'm going to pass the mic back to the second co-host, Nate. That was, you're a real gentleman, Stephen, and I appreciate that. So we welcome everybody back to Supply and Demand, episode two. Today, as um, as Stephen alluded to in in the letter that he read to you a few moments ago, today we're going to be talking about college education in the United States. Um, we'll we'll really delve into it in a few minutes. I'd like to just quickly say that we were inspired to do this episode because we all went to college together. Uh, we started uh, supply and demand off in college. And, you know, we don't know much. We're, we're, we're early in our careers, but we do know what college was like because we were only there a couple of years ago. And uh, it's a hot topic these days. There's a lot of political and otherwise uh, heated discussions about the value of college in the 21st century. And we just want to weigh in and reflect on what we think college did for us uh, as adults and as a as a product that we uh, that we purchased and bought into but before we do that we want to read a little listener mail that has come in since the last episode and 
And I'd also like to thank everyone for the positive feedback we've received so far on the first episode. Um, does somebody want to read the listener mail? Does somebody have it up easily? I don't, uh, I don't have it, <laughs> but I'd love to read it. Steven, you have, I, I can pull it up too. Uh, I mean, I have my <laughs> phone right here. Yeah, I can just, ah, cool, cool. excuse me <laughs> for a second. I like to read. While we Steven's should insert the that, Jeopardy music into this. Yeah, maybe we can uh, tee up from whom this fan mail came. Uh, this, this one comes in from, go ahead, Nate. From Morgan, who is a avid fan, longtime listener of the Supply and Demand podcast, um, and also my girlfriend, secondarily in this, mm-hmm. in this yes, episode. Fan first. She's a fan first. <laughs> That's how you guys met, actually. Well, sort of. Okay. See, right. you go. Me go? All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, S&D pod. <laughs> I've got a question for you. Since Halloween just happened, I'm wondering if you guys dressed up this year. And also, what was your most memorable childhood Halloween costume? Or if you prefer something more Thanksgiving related, I can come up with one of those too. She didn't come up with one of those. So we're going to answer the first question. We can anticipate what she was going to come up with. Maybe. <laughs> what, what do you think she was going to say? No, I was just going to, I was going to maybe offer a, I'm just going to offer my, my family and I are doing something different for Thanksgiving this year than we normally do. So I figured I'd, I could share it because I didn't do. How about, how about we politely answer the listener are you that dressing? did come in first? Okay. <laughs> do that. Um, so I dressed up as uh, the character, the classic Pixar character, Wally for Halloween this year uh, with a cardboard box and with some lab goggles, which I added a little flare with on with a sharpie marker um it was a hit i got a lot of comments i was glad to represent a classic film of our generation Mm. and uh yeah my my most memorable costume from childhood one time in elementary school i dressed up as santa uh which was kind of funny for halloween um (laughs) yeah that's a memorable one that's a good one nice um i'll go next i was a i was a vampire before it's a really pretty basic costume i guess um i was gonna be a flaming hot cheeto but uh they (laughs) didn't have the costume in my size so um and it was a pretty it was a pretty rough costume anyway but was it just one single cheeto would you have been a single cheeto it was a couple costume yeah so i was going to with my with my girlfriend i was going to be the cheeto she was going to be like the bag, uh, the actual label. Gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I struck out up, on one in, in my size. This brings up a different and interesting topic that we could do a whole podcast on, but um, there's the difference between a cheese puff and a Cheeto, like a traditional one. Oh, I'm well aware. Okay. Just, just making, just throwing that out there. I think we can do it. Go a ahead, Mike. Sorry, I cut on. you off. Yeah, you did. um mike's in a bad mood sorry i'm having a bad day just for the (laughs) the listeners but it's okay we push on um i was a vampire though and memorably i was once a peapod which i was also i think is a well that is awesome dude we should probably (laughs) post all of our costumes was it when you were really young yeah very young yeah i was probably it's probably my first costume you guys Mm -hmm. are 
two, we were powerless. Two pea pods and mm-hmm. pea pod. Same birthday too. So yeah, we were, it, it may have wow. been the same it, Halloween. Yeah, we might have been in the same costume <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. We might have been the same person. I mean, let's start. I mean, that that might that might just as well get me to believe in astrology at that point. You guys mm. are same birthday dressing up as pea pods. Come on. It's pretty interesting. It's quantum yeah. entanglement, Stephen. That's how you can the explain stars, it. Your it's brain. not the most far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stars have a lot. Idea. Yeah. I um, was a Viking. I, no. Oh, go ahead, Stephen. I was a Viking this year, and it was a poor idea because I went to an indoor Halloween party, and the furs I was wearing mm-hmm. got extremely warm. I have to ask actually, Stephen, did you bring your horn? I did. Did you drink out of the horn? Nice. I actually didn't drink out of it because oh. it gets was that? It gets a it gets a little oh, nice. For the for the, oh, the people yeah. not watching the podcast, which is everybody, which is a one hundred. I'm holding Steve, the horn Stephen left at my house uh, when he was just. <laughs> well, that's only well, a, that, that, that's, the, that's like, yeah. the horn stand. I brought yes, the horn back. Right, I just right. can't put it down now because I don't have the stand. <laughs> Dang. I have to oh, only hold it. I have all the power. <laughs> Kinda. Steven's been drinking since that night because he can't put still, the horn down. Still you know? in his hand. <laughs> I just I keep refilling it because I can't put it down. I'm tired. That is so sad. No, but uh, <laughs> most in memorable? terms of memorable costumes, oof, I mean, honestly, I never went too hard for Halloween, but uh, I remember one year I got. I think they were called morph suits, which were like full body, like one monochrome color suits that you'd like zip up. So like, and I got a black one and I, I think I went as like a shadow. Where was you with somebody else? So you were their shadow or you just like, yeah, kind of like every once in a, like, you know, we, we would do a picture like maybe at someone, someone's door, we would do it, but yeah. That's awesome. That's creative. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Did that sound no. Is that did that sound as cool to you guys as it did to me? No. Um, so I, I did not it. I did not dress up this year. I don't think I dressed up last year either. You didn't have so to do the, anything at work. You didn't like no. So this is annoying, actually. What this is one of the annoying things that at the school that I work at, um, that I teach at, they're we they don't do Halloween. They're not like kids aren't allowed to dress up teachers aren't allowed to dress up it's like a no-no and i don't really i guess it's because they're worried about having to police too many different types of costumes and yeah. stuff but... is it is it because of masks covering the face because i got yelled at when i i when i wore my morph suit for like a spirit uh that's probably part of it thing. i don't really i don't really get it honestly but i think that that must be part of it <clears throat> between um, masks so... like between masks scandalous clothing and cultural insensitivity they probably just don't want to deal with it yeah that makes sense my goal or my i want what i wanted to do was dress up as one of my students not as like a specific student but just as because they all wear the same thing they all wear pajama pants or sweatpants and hoodies and crocs um so i wanted to dress up as that but alas i could not the crocs have withstood the test of time the crocs nate you would not believe back yeah. You would not believe the um, the prevalence of Crocs. It's insane. Are um, they, they just like Croc- classic Crocs? Or are they? Yeah, classic okay. Crocs. Uh, they got the 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 giblets. 
Is it giblets or gibbets? Gibbets. Oh, it's gibbets. Giblets is like the thing in turkeys. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's showed my inexperience by calling them giblets. Man, what is that's the okay? Because I was thinking this. I had to. I had to, I paused there because I had to remember which one mm-hmm. it was. And Crocs are comfortable. They are comfortable. Question mark. But if you're, especially if you're wearing socks. But like when we were kids, like if you wore socks with Croc, Croc if you wore socks with Crocs, you were like, uh, you were like public enemy number one in school. I don't really but think Crocs, Crocs were cool in general as something to like yeah. show up to middle school with. Right, but like now it's that's all they wear. They wear Crocs or they wear slides. They have these. You guys should see. Maybe you have. There are these Yeezys that are. Um, they have like these slides that are just like these. They look like cartoons. Basically, they're like these big, comfortable-looking slides, and then they have these, um, Croc-looking things that sort of go over the whole foot and actually kind of looks like an alien. But whatever. That's what the kids wear too. Anyway, that's a. I, I digress. So I think the most recent costume that I did was actually a group costume with you guys uh, a couple of years ago. And I was, was just reminded one. of this because I forgot all about it. But on Halloween, we got some Snapchat memories of the four, the four of us. Now it must've been yeah, someone else was involved. The insurance. It was just the insurance guys. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, flow. I missed the, uh, I missed Halloween last time around. I, know. I was I was flow from progressive. Uh, Stephen was um, the farmers guy. Yeah, farmers the, insurance uh, guy. J.K. Simmons guy. Nate, what were, what were I was, oh, the, you, I was you the guy caveman? caveman. And yep, then the caveman. Shout out to Will. Will was um, he was Jake from State Farm. Jake from State Farm. And shout out Ari. Ari was um, uh, the guy who always gets in it. Mayhem. Mayhem. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, the mayhem guy. guy. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mount Rushmore of insurance. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's what it was, Mike. Um, we, awesome. Remember, we had a, a whole debate over whether to include the guy from with the with the emu. Yeah, what, what commercials are those? Yeah, whatever. Honestly, so that's, that, I oh. think that, I, I honestly think that would have been a better better costume than uh than the J.K. Simmons guy because it was tough to pull off. Because I'm it's hard. Yeah, for those of you who don't what know, do I'm not been... I'm not bald, so. It's hard to try to make yourself look bald, but I did my best. You really rocked that ball cap, though. I tried. It was see through <laughs> as hell, but no, that was a, that was a fun and well executed group costume. Yeah, it was. Sure. Yeah, it was. I'm sad I missed um, it. Honestly, that's okay, Mike. We'll have you, other opportunities. You were chasing love. We get it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think I so, was Superman last year. Nice. So that was my most recent costume. I think, um, previous like a. a a memory actually i don't even know if i remember this but my mom tells me the story all the time when i was a kid um when my parents were still married i was i went as robin one day or one halloween and um i didn't know this but my dad surprised me and he came down the stairs as batman and i was like so excited that my dad was going to be batman and i was going to be robin for trick-or-treat so um that would be a a good memory to um to to leave the listeners with that sounds like what the kids would call a core memory greg yes exactly a, a core, core memory. memory but like i said i don't really remember i just remember my mom telling me about it <laughs> never mind i can though. imagine i can imagine because i was a huge batman kid at the time what's a core memory like a really important memory that's so early on you don't remember it but it informs things or like i think so a core memory yeah i mean i i 
thought of it more so as I don't know if it was taken from that Disney movie all about the memories oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's supposed to be like a really right, impressionable right. memory inside that out defines yeah, inside out. Yeah, that right, defines right. like a part of your personality. That was, a, that was about emotions, not memories. Yeah, was it was it um was it soul? Was, what was it soul? That was souls, know. not memories. Oh what? Oh what? Well, I don't what is it? I've seen both we once. Do a really quick Google check. Fact check that, Mike. Was that what Inside Out was about? Memories? Well, it was about it emotions. Was inside Out. Core memories are a special type of memory from Inside Out. The memories are created when a person experiences a certain event that defines uh, one of their yeah, behavioral yeah. traits. And then oh, the, okay. It turns into one of those yes. crystal balls. What, what behavioral trait yes. was um, exemplified in that core memory of you dressing up as Robin? Greg? Uh, Fear? Exuberance. Would you it say joy, anger, Fear. sadness, disgust? Fear. Disgust. It was disgust. 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 <laughs> my dad's trying to steal all my thunder. Yeah. He sold the candy too. He got more candy than me that year. There's only like one positive emotion in that, right? It's like half joy, and then the other ones are all kind of. Well, they're all, you know. Yeah, all, those were relatively negative. They're all kind of necessary. So that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's perhaps a oversimplification that i suggested yeah we'll do a different podcast on it yeah we should pixar movies in general mm. don't get me started don't get me started did we answer the whole listener mail i think we did oh wait, I believe wait. we did but we did oh. not segue into greg's hypothetical listener mail question which giblets is actually a pretty good segue into oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually not funny, funny you should mention because the different thing that my family and I are doing this year is instead of going with turkey and mashed potatoes and all of the traditional Thanksgiving offerings, we're actually doing an Italian style mm. Thanksgiving and we are not an Italian family. So I apologize, Mike, if you feel um, offended <laughs> by this, but we're going through with it anyway. We're doing spaghetti and meatballs and I think we're doing some of the sides that we normally do anyway, but basically the idea was nobody really likes Turkey in my family. Anyway. Um, it's just kind of a thing that you eat because you do it on Thanksgiving. Um, and it causes a lot. It creates a lot of work for my mom and stepdad um, to creates a lot of, a lot of division. The... doesn't create that much division, but um there's a lot of, I guess, division of labor, you might say. That's, yeah. You got to wake up early and do all the things. And it's days. It's like it. two or three days yeah. that they have to do cooking stuff. So um, Do they stuff the, they do the stuffing in the turkey usually? Mm, the stuffing thing? goes separate. Um, okay. Some I think people that are has stuffing to do in with, the turkey or outside. I think the stuffing, this might be, this is out of my expertise, but I, from what I understand, I think the stuffing inside the turkey causes some health hazards with with um potentially undercooked turkey in the middle um influencing the stuffing having done it so so many times in my life (laughs) yeah i'm sure it doesn't actually matter that much uh for the vast majority of turkeys and stuffings and families but i think um i think in general my parents stopped doing that a while ago because of that concern well i'm very happy for you greg because um my family used to do, we would almost always do a regular Thanksgiving on the regular Thursday, but often the day after we would go to my grandparents' house on my mom's side, and we would often do like an Italian style Thanksgiving. 
the day after and my mm-hmm. grandma's italian so uh we don't do that now my grandparents are a little over a little older they don't host anymore but uh i'm a big fan of the alternative italian menu for thanksgiving yeah well, i'll have to give the listeners an update afterwards and see what things will keep and what things will mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if we're all sitting around the table and being like, this is delicious, but what about the, what yeah. about the mashed potatoes? About, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> I will say like being Italian, I guess. <laughs> um, Ew. Tell we, us what the real usually, Italians uh, do. I mean, we do that. We kind of do what you guys are doing too. Only difference is like, we don't, we're not like a separate thing. We just like do, I think it's like always lasagna. Like there's always lasagna at every single holiday, like mm-hmm. along with the base meal so like there will be turkey but there will also be lasagna and meatballs and that's just the accepted like the italian dish is first and then you eat the thing you eat the main thing mm-hmm. that makes sense lasagna i think it's good huge. it's hard for me to yeah except lasagna is huge you really need to be calculated about how much you have but uh yeah i do i, I will say Greg, i worry a little bit kind of like what you were alluding to there that it's not a substitute rather than rather it is a supplement mm-hmm. to the the main course but I, I don't know maybe if you if your family is like against turkey my family loves turkey so if you're if you're anti-turkey then maybe it gets the job done we shall see we look forward to an update all right well that was i think a good good little icebreaker for us thank you again morgan for the fan question anyone else is welcome to uh Contact us on Instagram at supply demand pod for uh, more fan mail, and we will be sure to answer it on air in the future. So let's jump into the topic. Uh, if there's no other, no other comments on Halloween or Thanksgiving. Um, so I'm going to, as Greg sort of led the last episode, I'm going to take the lead on this episode. It's mostly going to be me asking a series of questions, but I want to do a short little spiel at the beginning just to sort of describe the angle that I'm trying to take with this, which is more like a kind of want to take a, a cost benefit analysis to college. But having said that, I don't want to focus too much on the costs. I was thinking like how much should we talk about, you know, how expensive college is and we should definitely address it, but I'm, I think we should focus more on the benefits because one thing is that you can, you know, any listener can look up how expensive a college college education is. So it's not like, it's kind of objective. Um, and it also, a cost means different things to different people. Like, you know, $40,000 is affordable for some people and an insane, incomprehensible amount of money for other people. So um, that's another reason that I don't want to focus too much on costs. And lastly, we don't, the four of us don't know what our long-term earning potential might be. So I don't necessarily think focusing on the finances is, uh, I don't think we know the full answers to uh, the, the purely economic side of this in the, in the long-term. But I do want to address, just for context, we all went to UMass Amherst. When we went to UMass Amherst, uh, it costs roughly $30,000 a year for room and board as a sticker price. Um, for in-state residents. 
for for us as in-state residents yeah it was probably like 10 fifteen thousand dollars more for out of state um i want to compare that i looked up what the most expensive schools in the united states are today or you know as of 2022 and can i take a guess nate can i take a guess yeah sure sure is number one columbia no okay never mind that's it point taken um Number one, I had no idea what this was, but Harvey Mudd College in California. You heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've heard of it because of this very thing. Like, what the heck is Harvey yeah. Mudd College? Why is it like the most expensive? That's yeah, a well, awful in, name. I know, right? Terrible. In 2022, uh, a year of room and board at Harvey Mudd College costs $77,339. Wow. And- Did you just say room and board? That's just room and board. Oh, Does no, it include no, tuition? No. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> tuition room and board. Um, that was a that was a a small fumble on my part. I mean, that would even, be great. Imagine the dorms. Still. Yeah. So it's it's a, over seventy seven thousand. That's closely followed by University of Pennsylvania, which is above seventy six thousand dollars a year. Okay. And thirdly, a shout out to our local uh, our local neighbor. Amherst College is the third mm. most expensive school in the United States. It currently costs $76,800 a year to attend. Wow. Hey. So, yeah. Where, where is um, Harvey Mudd? Do you know? In California? I'm not sure. All right. I was just wondering if it was like... What was the town name? Again? In a city, I imagine it's probably expensive, too. So. You know, the college is there. Harvey Mudd College. Mudd is with two Ds. Oh, it's in Claremont. I believe that is. Is that in the Bay? It might be in the Bay. Wouldn't be surprised. But anyway, that's uh, that's quite an expensive product. That Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Okay. Um, Area. Four years at that price would total to over three hundred thousand dollars, which is quite a lot of money to pay for anything that is getting into uh i don't know real estate level costs buying a house that sort of thing so uh, i mean a house there's clear benefits to owning a house and i want to try to take this episode to break down what having gone to college what do we think that product that we that we bought and that we attended for four years gave us what is the value and maybe there's a maybe there's a young uh eager 18 year old listener to this podcast who's weighing his options and wants to think about what he's going to potentially get out of um, attending college so or a parent maybe a parent who's has a a children who are uh, looking towards college in the future so that's what I'm trying to get at. So to begin, uh, I want to do a quick round of like rapid fire questions, like just give a quick answer. I mean, elaborate, give a full answer, but um, try to be succinct. And I want to just go around the room just so we all have some context. So to begin, I want to go back, think back, go back in time to high school. How did you choose where to go to college? And like, what were the, you know, we all, we all ended up choosing the same spot, UMass Amherst. So what was the logic behind choosing a college? Was it random? Did you know you were going to go there all along? 
Um, uh, Greg, let's, you can start us off. So my final two colleges after I had whittled down all of the 10 or so that I had applied to were UMass and the University of Rochester. Um, I had a, it was a combination of cost, the, the, the feel I got when I was on the campus, when I went for tours there and location, um, Rochester was pretty far away, five hours or so from where I, um, from where I live. And my girlfriend, you guys know Haley, um, she went to UNH, which is two and a half hours away from UMass, but about eight hours from university of Rochester. So all of those three things, um, cost, location, and the feel I had when I was on campus. UMass was probably second overall in terms of the feel. I like Rochester better, um, but it was definitely better in terms of cost, and it was definitely better in terms of location. So it was sort of like a, I did a, a T-chart with pros and cons, and I basically decided that UMass was the right place for me. Cool. Cool. Um, Mike. Okay. What was 18 year old Um, Mike thinking about? Gosh. Uh, So I will say like UMass was definitely not at the time. So when I was 18, it was like, not my, not my first choice school. It was probably like third or fourth or something. Uh, I think like, Honestly, my, you know, people around me put a lot of weight into particular schools in the area. And it was like, you know, these particular schools are like a, you know, a sign of prestige or like this kind of school is a symbol of prestige. You should be looking like this way um, towards these things. And I ultimately ended up deciding um, after getting into some of the schools, not getting into some of those schools between one school in Boston and UMass, Uh, obviously two very different environments, rural Massachusetts, like middle of nowhere. And Boston, um, Boston was private school, gave me like a lot of money to go there. Uh, the other one, I mean, UMass was kind of somewhere like in the middle, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I think it came down to, yeah, like, like stuff Greg said, like, uh, you know, I, when I went there, I liked it a lot more than I expected in terms of like size. Um, I liked how lively it was. I didn't really like that it was in the middle of nowhere that didn't really like I, I always told myself I want to be like where some something was like happening. Uh, you know, there was a lot of energy. And I think what kind of sold me about UMass was like that energy existed like within the campus specifically, not like within. It wasn't necessarily defined by like its city or something. Like um, if, a, if a school totally revolved around being in a city and like that was its only personality trait was like, oh yeah, it's in like Nashville. So it's great. Um, so yeah, it, it ended up being a plus. I think actually rigor when it like academic rigor um, ended up mattering to me a little bit. Like I was like, I, I know I, I want to like be challenged and like, you know, have, you know, some level of like, um, not that I wanted to like struggle, but I, I, I wanted to kind of push myself academically. And there were a couple of schools where I like, I feel like I could kind of, I wouldn't have to try as hard or something. Um, and I, I don't know, I feel like I was, I was kind of ambitious going in at 18 years old to college, but that sort of thing. Um, yeah, price was good. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. To, to sum it up, like, it wasn't my first choice. I kind of took a chance on it, um, being where it was and and um, 
kind of what it could offer me. Um, there was an intangible, like, yeah, draw to the energy of the school. I think like, I really liked how it represented, you know, the state that I grew up in. Um, my family has a connection to like state schools in Massachusetts, not specifically UMass Amherst, but there was like a sense of pride there. Um, and I, yeah, I just kind of bought into like what it could offer me in terms of like professional development. So, um, and uh, a couple of my my good friends are going there as well. I will say that too. That really did matter as well. So I knew, for example, that uh, Stephen was at least looking at the school as well. I knew a couple other people that um, I actually didn't really end up talking to as much uh, when I was there. We're like looking at it and ended up going there. But um, yeah, so social element too, I guess. It was like just far enough away, uh, but still socially buzzing to the work. I like that. I like that. Thank you. Um, Steven, you want to? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So the schools, I, I actually only applied to three schools in total. And that was mostly due to the fact that I knew I wanted to major in astrophysics right from the get-go before even accepting an offer. So basically what I did is look at what schools had good astrophysics programs but were sort of uh driving distance from you know where i lived away and the if i remember correctly it was umass obviously stoneham and university of vermont and what sort of sold me on umass was that UMass was the only one I toured and the reason for that is because I was pretty go with the flow at 18 and UMass happened to be the first one I toured and when I went I've I went with Mike actually uh we toured it together and we went on a nice October day got in drove in through the woods we were like how is there a college in here all of a sudden it opened up. We see the beautiful UMass Amherst, blue skies. The promised land. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and we were walking around seeing what they had to offer and just the general vibe of the campus. I, I said to myself right then and there, I said, you know what? This'll do. And after that, I, you know, I just I didn't I didn't even care about the other two schools. I said, this is this is good for me. I like this. It, yeah, I think it. I think it had a lot to do with the vibe, and also, I'm I'm not a city person. I I detest crowds and traffic and any of that. So, to have a little like sort of an area where stuff happens, but it's not a condensed population i guess was definitely a big selling point for me and obviously the cost was nice but you know the the other two schools weren't so much different anyway yeah but yeah i i can relate to a lot of what you guys said perhaps mike the most because um i also sort of you know the story that 
I think back to is applying to a handful of schools and not getting into all of them that I thought I was going to get into and then sort of having to reevaluate my options. And I, I wasn't as seriously considering UMass when I was originally applying to schools. And then when I sort of had to take a second look through the, the options I had given schools that I didn't get into, uh, maybe I was a little overconfident as a, a 18 year old Nate. And then I sort of, I don't know, I just sort of saw UMass as this golden opportunity that I didn't, I wasn't necessarily thinking about seriously before. And then I visited and the cost obviously was appealing, especially compared to some of the other colleges I did get into. But I think the, the distance from home and just the location, uh, a couple hours away, so I could get home if I needed to. But um, I, I totally agree with that sort of somewhat rural feel middle of nowhere it's not in a city in a way it is the city the college defines the place the place doesn't define the college and yeah it was just a it's a cool cool spot i i agree with like kind of the massachusetts pride part of that as well so we're true patriots yeah yeah from patriots <laughs> to Minutemen. um so so yeah that was sort of the that was sort of the the calculus behind that decision, but I definitely wasn't expecting to go to UMass. So it was, it was a surprising, a great accident um, that I didn't get into the colleges I was hoping to get into. Um, so secondly, this is probably gonna be a little quicker, just, uh, yeah, we all know this, but for the listeners, let's go around and just say in the same order for simplicity, uh, what did you study in, in school, your major, and then maybe any other majors, minors, like big activities that you did? So Greg, want to start us off? So I entered as an undecide, undeclared major in the College of Social and Behavioral Sciences. Um, and then I majored in economics. And then I switched to business for a year. And I switched back to economics and political science. So I ended up graduating with a dual degree. <clears throat> my goodness. Sorry. I'm turning into a real boy now as my, did I make that joke last time too? I don't think so. Um, I hope so. I hope you did. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a joke that my, one of my high school teachers always used to make when his voice would crack. Um, anyway, so I ended up with a, with a dual degree or a, yeah, a dual degree in economics and political science. I almost regret asking the question greg i think it's hard one to condense i know we can keep rolling here but like how would you say that shift kind of reflects the way in which you your perspective or your like your interests change throughout your college experience like, is that is that surmisable <laughs> yeah that summarizable? that's fair summarizable um, can you summarize that what was the journey can, you went on <laughs> i can try but um when I was, um, so when I was in high school and my, when I was a senior, I remember we, we, um, we had to write this like speech basically in my AP English literature class, we had to write a speech and then give it the speech. And for some reason, my speech was on like being confused about what to major in in college, because back in the day, I thought that was like a huge issue. Um, because you, you would always hear about, you have to major in 
some sort of science or some sort of business or whatever, if you want to uh, do well in life. Um, obviously that's a subjective term, but like, you know, uh, make a lot of money. Um, and I remember like, I always used to get made fun of not like in a mean way, but just like, Oh, Greg wants to be an English major. And I kind of did for a while. I wanted to be an English major. Um, but so I go to college, I was undeclared. I was like, I'm not going to decide what my major is right now. I'm just going to go in as social and behavioral sciences. And I knew that I sort of liked economics a little bit from some, um, some things that I'd read about it. So I took a class and I liked it. I liked my econ class. Um, I liked my political science class. I probably, if I had to do it over again, I would do political science as like my my main major. Um, and I would, de- I would dive deeper into that than, than econ. Um, uh, but at some point I mean, we were, I remember having, Nate was there actually, when we had this conversation, it was me, you and Margo and someone else who, you know, or is it just the three of us, Nate? Uh, let's, uh, the core memory is just the three of us. Yeah. So it's just the three of us, um, for the listeners, Margo is a friend of ours. Um, so we were just, talking at lunch and margo was like we should just switch to business and i thought about it and i was like oh yeah that's that's pretty that's a pretty smart idea so Greg i switched called her bluff i did i called her bluff I, and she didn't even switch either yeah yeah that we, was, we didn't i didn't either <laughs> so i so i switched into business and i was like yep this is the right move for me because i can kind of do whatever i need to do from a business degree and then i was doing it for a year and i was in these classes and i I remember it was like my first, my first day in all these classes, um, in junior year, all these business classes. And I was listening to the professors talk about what we were going to be learning about in class and, and, um, all the sort of boring math that was involved. Cause I'm not like a math person per se, like the math was just sort of, I was like, I don't want to have to plug in all these, all these numbers, all these equations. So then I just was like, Nope, I'm switching back and sort of justified it by saying that, um, by going back to like my original thing where like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter, um, what you major in as long as you're doing sort of good work and you're like practicing and, and trying to get better at whatever it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I still think that's true to, to a certain extent, but, um, I do think that, um, and this is a thing we can get into later, but there's a whole question of why, like, what's the right, their quote unquote, right thing to major in, in college. And I don't think that's a question that can be easily answered by anybody. And I think my experience going back and forth so many times, um, sort of reflects that. Cause it's not an easy decision, especially if you're not clear about what you want to do with your life. And it's hard to make that decision when you're 18. There's a lot of good nuggets in everything Greg just covered. I think we're going to probably have to come back to across yeah. this podcast. A lot, a lot yeah. of themes, a lot of themes getting hinted at. Some foreshadowing, I think, on the way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure. And Greg, uh, we don't necessarily need to delve into this, but just, you just give me a true or false here. Is it true you also interned? You had a finance internship, and that sort of affirmed for you that you didn't like the work that you would maybe teeing yourself up for. Um. It's more complicated than that, but true. I'll, I'll say true for the, for, for okay. gravity's sake. Okay. Um, 
yeah i remember i remember you reflecting on that afterwards mm-hmm. um well cool uh mike what'd you major in what were you doing a uh, pretty simple one i i went in as political science major uh and i stayed as one all the way um, and then i stuck around and i got my master's degree in public policy uh in like a one-year extension of the uh within the political sciences the behavioral the social behavioral uh, college at the university so it's kind of under the same umbrella two are very closely intertwined yeah it's one long kind of i think of it as mostly a political science journey um and, and you you flirted with the idea of an Italian major or minor. Is that true? Yeah, I did. I did. It was it was something I looked at. I also looked at like doing stuff with international relations. I always thought when I started um, college and kind of when I was deciding um, kind of what I wanted to do when I was 18, thinking I had all the answers was like I knew that I wanted to do something, uh, quote unquote, like worldly in politics. Like I wanted to be um, tackling like international issues or something, you know, something to that effect, something in a, in a state department role or in like a UN role or like a global, you know, humanitarian role or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I did Italian high school, I thought I might pursue that, but, um, when it came down to it, uh, I just like looked at the requirements to do some of that stuff and just, out, out of, you know, decided to stay the course, um, and just continue to kind of hold myself accountable to learning Italian as a second language on the side, which I have admittedly kind of slipped from. <laughs> so I uh, didn't do great with that. But I also, you know, I'm not working in politics, so I didn't do great with that either. But I guess we'll get into that as we go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Steven, how about you? Yeah, I th- I already kind of spoiled it in the last segment, but... I majored in, technically it's a double major of astronomy and physics. I usually just abbreviate it as astrophysics. But um, yeah, I I went in as that right from the get-go, stuck through it, did my four years, got a bachelor's degree, didn't do any further education at, at this point in time. I'm thinking about maybe going back eventually, which I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole because it kind of has to tie in with the next question. But it's there's it's a little weird to try to get certain jobs if you don't go all the way with your education in certain majors. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Did you ever think about? Um... Did you ever think about deviating from the course at any point? Were you ever like, man, maybe I Yeah, what was the moment of try most business hesitation? The moment of hesitation? Maybe you wanted to be a political science major at one point because you saw how cool it was via <laughs> Nina and Greg. Yeah, all my <laughs> friends were political science majors. Yeah, you're uh, gonna fall in line. I, I'm I mean, <laughs> if I'm gonna be blunt about it, I the my moment of hesitation was like every midterm i ever took sophomore and junior year because you would just you would go in i mean i'm not like i'm not a whiz kid i don't ace every test i i i consider myself intelligent enough do you beast every test (laughs) no uh 
no, not even that. You know, sometimes you would go in there and you have been studying for so long. You have a cheat sheet with like size four font on both sides of a sheet of paper to for like all mm-hmm. the equations you have to know. You'd go in there and you'd just try your best in the two hours you're given. A week and a half goes by. Every everybody gets their tests back. You find out the class average was a 72. And you're, you know, the teacher is like, yeah, we were hoping for the, you know, the average to be a bit higher. So we're going to, well, we're going to scale it. Don't worry about it. So, you know, every one, every one of those times it made me go, I, I'm not, I, I'm not smart enough to be here. And from the looks of it, nobody else is either, except Mm. for the select few, but you know, I stuck through it. And not going to lie, COVID kind of helped a little bit because they, they sort of had to put pause on a lot of deadlines on a lot of things. So it gave you a little bit more time to figure some stuff out, study, you know, work on your stuff. But um, yeah, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I, and you know, once you get to, the end of sophomore year, you know, it's just two more years. Just do it. That's basically what I was telling myself. Just do it. Yeah. Not, not to, I mean, not to copyright or anything, but <laughs> we're going to get a season to assist. Um, no, that's, that's, that's cool. I, I think one of the most shocking discoveries I, I, I made upon getting to college was like, so the work I, I feel like I mostly did and anger. I feel like you probably agree with this too, but like wasn't much of a departure between like how it went in high school where it was like, you get A's, A minuses, like, you know, B pluses, you know, some, some B's like you, you, you usually do pretty well. Uh, you know, I personally, at least I think we're all, we all did pretty well in high school and I think we all did pretty well uh, in college too, just by extension. But um humble brag (laughs) Uh, but to learn that that was not the same journey that a lot of really smart kids that went into the sciences went through when they got to college was really interesting to me like to hear that passing uh passing and 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 really succeeding was things like getting like a 75 and kind of having that be like a reflection of like the standard being set and like that was um they basically adjusted you know what was what success was defined as was like a really interesting concept to me and it really made me feel because that me feel for the people that were part of it because you're right that that basically translated to people struggling like consistently feeling like they didn't do a good enough job and then having that be labeled as you know you doing uh you know the the best job in the class or whatever like i I think that, that that must be psychologically a very confusing thing to process so um Whereas it was, I think for us or for me, at least it was like, I did good or I didn't do good in relation to, you know, everybody else or in relation to the expectations of the class or something, because they didn't really scale anything. Yeah, it's definitely a big jump from high school to college. But, you know, I you I you kind of get used to it. You sort of, I think, at least me, I kind of mellowed out after I figured out, you know, we're all in the same boat kind of like me and my classmates were all kind of, you know, just everyone's struggling somewhat. 
collective pain. Yep. But yeah. All in good fun though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so as, uh, as somebody said, uh, I also majored in political science um, and like Greg, I, I also first intended to major in English uh, because I was a, I don't know, I liked writing in high school and I sort of saw, I, 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 I thought writing was probably my best, the best tool in my toolbox uh, in high school. So I decided to lean into that with English. Uh, but I, in my college, like summer visit day, orientation day, I, I switched from English to political science. So I never stepped foot as a student uh, freshman year. Uh, I, I, from the get-go, I was, had made that switch to political science. And that's, I don't know, we were in a time, you know, Trump was a, a recently elected president. And I don't want to delve into politics, but there was a lot of uh, interesting political, deep political questions in, in the country at that time. So that sort of made me, hyper give me kind of a renewed interest in elections and politics and parties and things like that uh, i i over i think i was pretty steady in political science uh, throughout the time i mean as greg said we would sometimes talk about other majors like you know oh, would, uh, would a business degree be easier to uh, get a job with afterwards but i stuck with political science and i ended up kind of adding a little marketable edge to political science with uh, doing data analytics as well, which I mostly as an undergrad, I still did that within political science classes, but um, I, I did get a master's degree in data analytics, also run through our like social sciences school uh, as a, as a extension of some political science uh, work and research work that I did. So um yeah, I thought that was, I, I ended up having a good mix of, I think, quantitative and writing stuff uh, by the end of it. So anyway, I, that can, that can segue us into uh, intro question number three, which is, is your current job related to your college major? And Greg, I'll kick it back to you. No. Uh, I'm teaching English at a middle school level right now. So no, I will say, um, and this is a, this is a deeper question that we can get into later maybe, or on another episode, but <clears throat> I do think that the skills that I developed as a political science, specifically as a political science major, um, in terms of reading and writing and thinking critically about what I was reading and then translating that into writing um, has been very helpful um, because as you guys know, uh, the listeners, some of them will know, but I have a newsletter that I write um, every week. It's called armchair thoughts that you can actually find on Substack. Um, but I write it every week. It's on, it's on education because that's something that I've experienced with now. Um, and the skills that I learned um, as a political science major um, apply to that part of my job. And I'm putting job in scare quotes because I don't, I actually, I have, um, I have it set up where people can pay to read it, but you don't have to. So it's, it's free for everybody. Um, but I'm hoping 
to segue that eventually into a career doing some sort of journalism um, based on education, at least at first. And then maybe um, I think the, and this is where the political science thing comes back in, but the interaction between um, like politics and our education system is really fascinating and it's really important. And I think um, without like a, a knowledge of political science and economics too, because talking about incentives and um, that sort of thing is really important to figuring out how sorts of decisions get made about education policy. And that really interests me because I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with right now in terms of behaviors and academics um, is something that I think can be fixed if the right sort of policy levers are pulled. Um, I mean, not fixed hundred percent, but I think things can get better in that, in that way. And I don't think that I could really have figured, uh, maybe I could have, I don't know. I think the politics and economics background helps me to navigate those sort of challenges, but in my day job, which is teaching really, there's nothing. I can't think of like really anything that I learned in college, like everything that I know, everything that I learned in high school could have been applied to teaching middle school. Honestly, I could have taught in the same way seventh. I could talk, I could have taught seventh grade ELA in the same way that I teach it now. If I had, done it upon graduation from high school um i think but that's just me yeah that's interesting i mean i think you're you're hitting like the big the the big question of this whole topic and this whole episode which is like what are the what are the transferable skills like the kind of the value that you took away from college so i i definitely think that is right on right on target to bring up um even if the job isn't necessarily in the same career as college that there were there were skills that you picked up in your college major that you're using that you could see yourself using in the future. Yep. Uh, Mike, how did, uh, how did your political science uh, major work out for you? Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't stick with it <laughs> professionally. I, I ended up getting a couple of uh, just, just sort of dumb, I don't want to say luck, but like, I just found out about a couple of opportunities um, related to business and marketing internships um, when I was in college still, and I pursued them and I ended up getting them uh, just because they were things I was like interested in as like hobbies. So I ended up um, joining like the marketing team of a soccer team uh, when I was a sophomore junior as a junior in college and um like they happen to be linked to like an alumni at school like i had a friend who uh you know knew someone at the organization so they kind of helped me like get my get my foot in the door um and and make the like introduction with them uh so i mean that none of that no that was really linked to my to my major it was sort of like linked to being interested in a hobby and like just kind of having like the temperament and interest to like want to talk and learn about that. And then like getting to a conversation where like, we, you could probably like help out here if you want. And then like, I did, I did it for free, like as, so I was unpaid um, for like the first 
you know, the vast majority of that experience. And yeah, from there, I just kind of, I, I stuck, you know, along those lines in the marketing and business world. And um, yeah, a couple of years later, now I'm still a marketer for a video game company in 2K. And uh, yeah, none of that really relates too much to the content that I was involved in in college. Um, but I guess kind of like Greg, right? Like you, you learn to kind of think fast, um, to write fast, to write under pressure and, and work under pressure. And, and I think, yeah, when I, when I kind of think about, like, think about what from college prepared me for the sort of environment that I work in now, it's like, I, I can think back to, um, not necessarily like things that I wrote about or things that I, uh, things that I like output, but like what, like what those, like not so, so like, for example, right. Like, like writing a paper about uh, the political economy of like the middle East, not relevant to what I'm doing right now, but you know, that I was able to write, you know, like a, a thoughtful, you know, 10 page essay in like a weekend. Um, just you know from scratch was you know definitely a skill i'm glad I'm, I'm able to you know like continue to you know employ but um yeah i, I really attribute it more to you know where i am now like to like the opportunities i kind of got out of outside of the classroom while i was in college um and a lot of those things are probably loosely attributable to my actual academics but um they really stem from a lot of other things like networking and building relationships and being interested in certain hobbies and, and stuff like that. So, um, and just like soft skills about, about me, like just like who I am as a person, <laughs> like not really what I studied. So yeah. Uh, anyway, no, short answer. No, didn't, didn't end up doing what I thought I was going to do and pretty okay with it. Nice. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was starting to talk about it uh, just a little bit ago, but um, yeah, I don't really. Well, I, I I faced two major issues with when I was job searching after college. One of which, sort of the the main one, is actually location. I'm not looking to move out of the New England area quite at this point in my life. So that sort of cuts my job opportunities down to down by, you know, let's say 80%, give or take. But also to get uh, an entry level position in the astrophysics field really to be considered heavily by a company they really want to see a master's degree which i didn't go for so ended up being you know i i tried you know i wrote some uh some cover letters tried to spice up my resume with some you know some little white lies here and there but uh you know, end of the day, you need to make some money. So I, I eventually, 
you know, got the job that I have currently, which is not in the astrophysics fields at all. It's in the science field. So there's that, but it's, it's biotech, which is, you know, I didn't take one biology class once when I was in college from a bar, the, the, uh, gen ed you need to take but um yeah i don't no i don't dislike it though it's you know it's good i don't i don't mind it um and it's good experience too you know just because you know like my fellow co-hosts here they have experience educationally and other things but you know now they're getting experience in what they're doing occupationally but yeah so long story short no cool cool i i might be the outlier here and saying actually sort of in that um i do work for the government doing some policy adjacent stuff uh, for those who didn't listen to the pilot episode, I, I help with research at the Library of Congress. Uh, so there is a political science bent to it. I wouldn't really say it's political science, the work. Um, it's more, in some ways, it's much more practical. Uh, business and consulting might be a closer approximation to some of the work we do. Um, I think the data analytics masters and the data analytics work is definitely the most uh, competitive edge I bring to the table more so than the political science work, but there is for some projects I'm on a lot of writing involved and that I can definitely look back to political science. And, you know, I think one of the big differences between high school and college was that like an essay in high school was like a big undertaking. It would take weeks. You have to show an outline and then you, uh, it's like, it might be a, a whole process to produce like a, five page paper. And then in college it was just like, ah, I have a 10 page paper due on Monday. Let me you know, do it some night this weekend. So that's the ability to like, like Mike said, like come up with a, like a well thought out argument and write about it on a shorter timeline does come in handy. So yeah, I think that, I think that I am doing something related to my major, but definitely a political science bachelor's degree alone wouldn't have carried me this far so we've kind of we've kind of uh danced around the the big question uh and i think the big topic here which is what is the utility of college what did we take away what were the the transferable skills the knowledge that does help out in your job what was really the the bang for the buck with college and it doesn't need to we don't need to all get behind one thing because there's probably a lot of overlap there might be things that you know were clearly a benefit for all of us it might be better to think of it as a, like this is a brainstorming session uh, we could come up with a list of things uh, a list of yeah, net benefits from college but does anyone does anyone want to start us out with an idea of what they they see as a big takeaway um i can start i have many different i could there are so many different ways that you can answer this question so many different angles that you can take on it 
Um, I don't know. I think college is, I think like the, the utility, as you say, Nate of college is changing. Uh, and it's hard to say whether it's for the good or for the worse, for the better, or for the worse. Um, and I go back and forth on this all the time because I think today, generally what you, what happens is that you think that college is a career training resource that when you go to college, you major in engineering and then you get a job as an engineer or you major in pre-med and then, well, that's not a great example, but um, you know what I mean? You major in something and then you do that thing, computer science and you, and you become a computer programmer. Um, And that's not the traditional mode of thinking for college. Um, College originally before like sort of the, I guess before like world war two and stuff um, college was a place that you go to expand your horizons as a human being. And to, um, you know, I think Socrates is the Socrates quote or someone is the unexamined life is not worth living. Um, And the college experience is supposed to let you fulfill that sort of destiny, which is to like expand your mind and, understand or read all of the classics and like develop a deeper understanding of what it means to be a human being. Um, and that all sounds great. And I love all that stuff, but it just, if for the, for the, for the average human being today, it just doesn't really carry under any water because everyone is going, Oh, not everyone. So many people are going to college today that it is almost a, it's a requirement for many jobs that you need a college degree. So it's not just a thing that you can go to, to expand your mind and to learn about things that interest you. It's a thing that you have to do in order to, um, in order to get a job in credentialing the yourself, maybe. Yeah. Credentialing. And there's so many different things because you bring up credentialing Nate, which is an important thing. Cause it's like, there are all these sorts of good, interesting um, well, economics, one of the things that you learn about economics is that um, there's this thing called a signaling mechanism where a college degree acts as a signal to an employer because an employer, when they're trying to hire someone, has to sift through thousands of job applications. So what they do is they reject all the ones that don't have a college degree because if you have a college degree, it's supposed to mean that you've done something worthy of obtaining a college degree. And that is supposed to be helpful as um, or to an employer when you're, when you're hiring, but I mean, everyone knows, I mean, not, maybe not everyone, but for most jobs, you do most of your learning on the job. Um, as a teacher, you don't, I wasn't an education major, but I'm a teacher. Um, maybe I'm not a great one, but like, I think I know what I'm doing to a certain extent. And the more I do it, the more I learn. And I learned more, I'll be honest. I learned more um, in my first year of teaching, I learned more sort of about life and about, uh, well, yeah, human beings in general and incentives and stuff like that. I learned more about human, I learned more from one year of teaching than I think I learned in four years of college. Um, so I don't know there's, like I said, there's so many different ways you can take this, but I think my biggest takeaway is that 
there's two different conceptions of what college is for. One is for job training and the other is for um, expanding your capacity as a human being to do, to, to think critically and stuff like that. And I think what too many people do is they go into it hoping to expand their mind and therefore majoring in something that's kind of useless for a degree and then complaining about how their college degree isn't actually earning them anything because they thought that they could go in and just sort of do what they wanted to do and then get a good job doing something um, with that degree when oftentimes it's not the case. So I don't know. Yeah. I think to, to add on to that, I think that the prevalence of needing a college degree um, these days, the amount of jobs that require a college degree and like Steven's alluding, alluding to even a master's degree and for some fields that sort of changes the incentives and the priorities of people where, because it's so mandatory to have a college degree, people aren't going to college with the kind of priority of expanding their mind and stuff. It's a very practical consideration because there isn't really an alternative path. If they, if you want uh, a good job in quotes, and I don't know if that's really true. Um, but I think that people, you know, people don't, some people don't care about expanding their mind. They just want to get a job and I can't blame them for that. But, college is kind of the required step uh, for yeah, and this attaining is, that goal. And this is one of those things that I was talking about earlier with um, politics and, and or policy and education and stuff like that. Um, this is one of those things that sort of seems like the low hanging fruit where, um, you know, a lot of people actually, they're kind of experimenting with this, but a lot of people learn how to code when they're very young Um you know, people go, kids go into college knowing more, almost some of them knowing more than their professors. And yet they are forced to go to college because they have to get this degree in order to get the job as a computer programmer that they want. But um, this is one of those things where if we could just open up the opportunity for people to get a like credential in some sort of field like computer science that maybe they need six months of training for or a year or something. And that way they don't have to go and spend all that money and time um, if they don't want to. I think that's like one of those things that we should really be looking at as a, as a society. And I do think that in particular for computer science, that is a thing that's happening. People are um, opening up those programs. Um, and I think, and I think that more employers are sort of realizing that a college degree doesn't tell you what you think it tells you. Like you just sort of, lots of employers just require a college degree because everyone else requires a college degree. But I think people are starting to sort of think critically about the value of a college degree, especially as college gets more expensive and um, sort of reevaluating what their priorities are. Because if you're a business owner, and I talked to my stepdad about this too, because he's a business owner and one time I was like, why even require a college degree? And he told me it was because um, if you have a college degree, it's evidence that you've gone through something, you've gone through four years of college and you've completed your degree. And I understand that logic, but I just don't, I just sort of reject it. Like it doesn't really, in my experience, a lot of kids have, a lot of people have college degrees that really don't deserve 
college degrees because they just sort of skated through and did the bare minimum and were cheating on their exams and stuff like that. And they just did what they needed to do to get through so that they could go party that night. Um, whereas lots of high schoolers graduate and from high school and they're ready to do what they need to do. And if you're learning most of the stuff on the job anyway, then why bother going to college? And so I'm hoping that even though like I loved my college experience and I would not go back and do it differently. Um, and that's sort of a contradiction in my own thinking, but I just think that the whole college experience or the whole college um, business model is kind of flawed, especially considering all of how, how expensive it is these days. You, yeah, you alluded to a couple of things at the end there, Craig, I thought were kind of interesting. It's like employers assuming that, uh, that college indicates like almost overcoming like adversity or something or like right. commitment right. to, um, yeah, commitment to like that you, that you show commitment just maybe maybe it's as simple as that right mm-hmm. something for, for an extent it might time. it might not um, right yeah for sure the person. for sure because it it neglects one critical i think component of college that you hinted at at the end there too which is like for some people for some people like college is it's not even any of the things you just described it's it's, it's just like experiential like college mm-hmm. is a moment that you can kind of you can like disconnect from reality and 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 be uh you know partying all the time or or pursuing you know your your the most like micro interests you might have be it like maybe it's uh you know you know club bocce maybe it's you know like like dungeons yeah. and dragons i don't know I was, but that's you, what you, i was gonna bring up can, Mike. like dungeons and yeah. dragons <laughs> yeah or, or like, I'm, like or most cynically and this is me being quite cynical you might just be mediocre Mm-hmm. You know, you might just be mm-hmm. doing schoolwork and you're getting C's. No offense. I know that the, the grade doesn't matter as much because as we alluded to earlier, uh, what a 75 in a different major in some majors might mean different things. I, I, so I don't mean, you know, a C. Let's, I'm I just my C's. You mean yeah, a C's. Exactly. You should yeah, be. Yeah. Steven, you a, should be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just. You, like, describe, you describe the archetypal quote unquote C student. The mm-hmm. doing the, you know, doing what they got to do to to get through yeah yeah but um, and the amount of kids who would just be like panicked when there's an exam the next day because they haven't gone to class all semester and they haven't taken notes and it's like really i mean you're good that i don't know that yeah, frustrates I, me too because it's like I, even in like we were i mean um th- three of us um and steven was always there but three of us were in the honors college so like even even among the people in that we went to class with I would like, I would see people, I would watch people walk by the classroom that they were supposed to be in because they just like wanted to go, I don't know, just do something else. And it's like that, that bothers me particularly because it's like, you are not, you're just wasting, I don't know, your own money in a way. I mean, you're wasting your own money, but it's also, it's like, that's just, that's just sort of devaluing what it means to be to have graduated from college like if you want it to mean anything to have a degree then you actually have to put in the work to to get that value out of it i think i don't know yeah you're just old-fashioned but i think you guys probably agree yeah i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to dwell on cynicism here but i do think that 
the amount of the amount of students or the prevalence of students I saw who, you know, disregarded attending class as even a, a priority was uh, there. I, I can think of a few classes and maybe a few students in particular. I'm not going to, you know, shut them out here, but I, I remember kind of, yeah, noticing like, why isn't, why aren't people showing up to class? Like why, yeah, why are these like, why are high performing students or honors college students not? Yeah. Anyway, and everybody gets a degree at the end and uh, that signal means a lot of different things could mean a lot of different experiences. Um, uh, Steven, what do you think? Yeah, I, I was just thinking like, kind of like what you guys were saying that, you know, you get your college degree at the end of your four years. And for depending on what kind of student you are, that could mean a lot of different things. Like if you went in, you know, pick trying to pick the easiest major barely went to class you know looked up the answers online whatever you whatever you had to do and just coasted just because you wanted to be in that environment and you know with those people going to the sporting events and whatever the parties you could still get a degree it's not it's not that hard if you really wanted to get a degree you could still do it and then at the end of the day, that uh, that piece of paper is essentially the equivalent of someone who studies for every exam, did all of their homework, got good grades, and sure, sure, there's GPA and everything, which you know jobs look at typically. But the piece of paper you get at the end of those four years is the same as someone who didn't try at all versus someone who actually put in the effort and it just I, I i almost feel like it devalues what a degree means but there's also the flip side of that where you know you could have your degree and you know do all those things you could, you could have been a really good student you know good gpa got your degree did all of those things get out into the world start applying for jobs all of a sudden you realize you don't actually have any real world experience with this degree you now have and all of a sudden employers are getting back to you saying okay yeah you did all these classes but have you actually used any of this and you're you're sitting there saying well no that's why i'm talking to you i was hoping to maybe do that soon and then yeah. you're left in a point where, you know, you have this thing that's supposed to mean you're a person who should be doing these kind of jobs and getting these kind of opportunities and you're getting looked at like you're just, you know, oh yeah, you're a little bit better than, you know, people who graduated high school. But other than that, good for you. I don't know. Yeah. And that gets to what Greg was saying earlier about uh, the first year of your of teaching being way more useful than your four years of education, at least for this job. And I, I totally felt that way as well. And with applying to jobs and they ask in interviews, a lot of, you know, questions where your, your college coursework examples to some interview questions are really not ideal because you haven't been in the job yet. Um, and it's really hard to like make everything 
make all these metaphorical examples from college projects to work projects. But I felt even like within a few months of working in my current job, I was like, man, like I have so much better answers already to so many interview questions just from a few months of working. I'd be able to, you know, if I could go back in time and do old interviews and I, I'm not like regretting this because I'm happy with the job I ended up getting, but it was just like, wow, like in a few months of work experience, I got so much more like tangible ways to argue on my behalf than uh, four years of college did. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that's, uh, again, I don't want to get too cynical. So I want to get a bring us back that's my bed no no it's all good it's my bed too it's a good it's just all i think it's really important that we lay that groundwork but again thinking back to practically speaking um for those assume let's let's assume that we all did put in the effort into college you know what i did want to say yeah go ahead before this isn't i don't know if you'd call this as you worded it a tangible utility or I guess it could be considered a benefit, but it, regardless of the value of the degree I got and any of that stuff, I, you know, I wouldn't trade any of those four years just because of the, you know, the memories I made with you guys and all the fun times we had. I think that's a, a whole different thing that adds a lot more value to it. And, you know, it's, I don't think it should be overlooked. Fair point. Appreciate that, brother. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. And it's I would not pay just... $60,000 a year to be your guys' friends <laughs> over and over again. If yeah, I had the choice. 60, yeah. oh, you double it, huh? All right, all right. I'm, I'm was maybe... it, oh, sorry, was it? Was it, it was it was there tuition? Was tuition you missed? I thought it was 30, 30 a year. A semester or a year? A, a year. year. A year? Yeah, it was a year. What were you okay. paying for? It's, I know. Wait, <laughs> are you sure? Like, um, I think you might yeah, be getting sorry. No, it's, it's, uh, it would be a lie to say it's been that long and I should probably remember, but um, the working world is hurt my memory (laughs) before we go on i also want to make a distinction between a state school and a private school um like i said earlier there's most people go to college i think i don't know maybe maybe i'm i'm perceiving this incorrectly but i would say most people go to college because it's uh better for their potential career prospects um they can earn more money Um, and I think for, for those people, especially, although I guess for everyone really, but, um, I think the difference between the tuition that you pay, and we talked about this at the beginning, but the tuition you pay at a private school and a state school is like, like monumental. If you're paying less than half, um, at UMass as you would for like Boston college, for instance, I remember I was, I got accepted to Boston college and the sticker price was like $72,000. Um, and I, there's no way that Boston college was worth over twice what, what I got out of UMass. Yeah. Like there's just no way. And like, I can understand maybe saying to someone, Oh, I went to, to BC and it was like, Oh, Boston college, that's prestigious. And I get that. 
And I get like, there's network effects. So if you go to Harvard or something, one of the things really what you're paying for at Harvard is uh, a network that is full of powerful and, and influential and, and wealthy people. And I get that, but I think um, like a state, the value of a state school is much higher. Like you're getting much more out of a single dollar at a state school than you are at, at a private school, just because of how much cheaper it is. And you're really, it's a college degree. It's you're, as long as it's like a reputable state school, I think, I think more people should really look at state schools and stuff like that. So I don't know if I'm offering advice to uh, a listener or um, who's either going to college or whose child is thinking of applying to college. I mean, it's hard to do better than to go to a state school. I think, I mean, unless you're just getting, unless you're going for free to a really prestigious school, then I don't think it's worth the extra 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a year. Um, and that's especially if you're going to further your career prospects because you're not going to be much, making much more money as an engineer if you went to Harvard than if you went to UMass. Yeah, and I think that some of the things we've talked about so far reflect that as well, that thinking about what were the benefits of college for us, they weren't necessarily like exactly related to it being UMass or it being a certain school. A lot of it is, you know, the social experiences. Um, a lot of it is the effort that you put in. It's not that, you know, like we're saying that you could get, a, you can get kind of as much out of college coursework as you want to put in. Um, that's more, a lot more dependent on your interests and your effort than it is the college um, right. or the course. Uh, I mean, we could really get into this that I don't really know if the professors were all that much um, worse at UMass than they would be elsewhere. I was going to say it's one of my, one of my tangible benefits of UMass um, or just of my college degree is that I think I, I actually had a lot of really great professors at UMass Amherst and kind of going back to the expanding your mind point, I feel like I actually did expand my mind and get, we've had some pretty interesting professors and we had some shared experiences around that too, just as a friend group. I think there's some professors that we all had, uh, uh, me, Mike, actually all four of us took world politics with, uh, Vinnie Ferraro and us, you know, me, you, Mike and Steven, um, took, uh, Steven Jencarella's classes. And yep. I just think about like, Oh, you know, there were some really impactful professors, some really, some even specific lectures that I remember. And I really enjoyed the general education requirements. I really enjoyed getting to take a variety of classes. I thought that a lot of my professors were really accomplished, really passionate about their fields of study. And I don't really, I never at any point at UMass, except I'll say, and I think this is probably true of anywhere. The only classes where I was underwhelmed by my teachers were when they were being taught by grad students. And that's not to say all the classes taught by grad students were like that. But when I think like any lackluster classes, they were like PhD students. And that's really only one or two that I am thinking of in particular. Most of the time, all of the like professor professors I had really, I was impressed by. And I never was like, oh, this is a state school class. I was like, this is really, this is a really well-taught class by really uh, accomplished um 
yeah, like leader in their field in some points. Just so, yeah, I, I really was impressed by the teaching at UMass Amherst. I really don't feel like I sacrificed on, on that in choosing to go there versus a private school. And yeah, I feel like I did kind of expand my mind. So yeah. none of that was dependent. None of that mind expansion, liberal arts sort of take on college, I felt like had anything to do with going to a state school versus a private school. Yeah, I will say really quick, I think UMass Amherst in particular might be one of the better state schools probably in the country. So that might, I'm sure there's, you know, you could different experiences around the world that you could have in state school versus private school. But yeah, I agree with everything you said there. This is a good point. I mean, even state schools have within them like degrees of elitism, but like there's your, you know, your, your UNC Chapel Hills, right? Like all the way down to like, you know, the state schools within a state's state school system <laughs> that are are deprioritized in relation to other ones so like maybe one of the other tiers of un schools right um i don't know enough about them to decide they might all be great schools i have no idea um but yeah it's like even even within state schools breed you know hierarchy and um yeah yeah that's, that's... i think i think greg alluded to the adage like it, it does always seem to be like um you get out what you put in was something that drove me a lot to like knowing that, you know, I'm not going to Harvard, I'm going to UMass, but if I work hard, you know, I'd like to think that that will have some sort of output. And I definitely think it did. Um, and I, you know, like you, Nate enjoyed the breadth of curriculum and the ability to discover. And I think in a way too, like, you know, though I don't do things in politics that that discovery period via gen ed stuff, right. was an opportunity to kind of affirm, you know, certain things and, and, you know, prove to myself that, okay, you like, I, you know, I, I went on the journey and I didn't want to do this thing or that or that thing. So it is even in its own way, you know, discovery in that sense. Um, you, you learn something about yourself and that maybe the path is not linear for you. Um, yeah. Just want to, just want to jump on and say, I, I agree there for sure. It's, you can still pull out some, some positives from you know what a cynic might say is a negative about the university system for sure um one more thing about the private school versus state school a lot of people who want to get their kids into really really good schools like harvard or whatever the ivies or doesn't even have to be those um they'll basically make their kids lives and starting in like seventh or eighth grade kind of miserable because they have to do all these things to stand out when you're applying to a college where all the kids get 1600 on their SATs and um, they all have really good GPAs in high school and they all have great recommendations from very capable teachers and stuff like that. So, I mean, again, if I'm offering advice, to someone who's older than me, which feels so somewhat weird. Um, I would just say like, just, I would just like, let your kid have their life, you know, in high school, let them have, have fun, like play sports. If they want to, they don't have to, you know, um, let like, 
I don't know. I just, I think people put way too, people think that like college is the very thing that you have to do because if you don't do, if you don't get into the right college then your life is ruined, but it really isn't. And as I'm, I'm learning this, like as I go along, like I always, I thought that too. I thought that I, if I didn't get to the right college and if I didn't do the right thing in college, then I would be in a bad place. But like I'm teaching right now and it's not like the best life, but it's interesting. And I'm gaining a lot of experience and I'm, as I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm learning so much more now and I can, this does not have to be where I end up. Like, this is not a thing. Um, it, like just because I went to UMass and only became a teacher doesn't mean that it's like, I'm a failure. Even if I stay teaching, like just do the best that you can do within whatever it is that you choose to do. Um, and I think there's some, you don't, it's something you don't really think about as a student who's applying or as a parent, unfortunately, I mean, I'm not, neither, none of us are parents, but like, I think a lot of parents think that if my kid doesn't get into the right college, then they're screwed, but it really is not true. And life is so much longer than just four years in college. And, uh, you got a lot of time to figure stuff out. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a point well taken, Greg. And I think it's a good transition to the second big question. And I'm also being mindful of time. We're kind of coming up on time here. So maybe we should transition into sort of a conclusion to the podcast, which is what would be advice that you give to what either would be advice that you give to your high school self or to some high school or considering college, or alternatively, what is like some program that could be in place? Uh, some alternative, I don't want to say intervention, but what, what should be told to a high school student considering college that could help them uh, be guided at making this decision. And I think for me, I definitely want to second Greg's like, don't put so much pressure on the, which college you go to. Like, I think going, maybe that the really cool, the question should be college or not college. And instead of, you know, the number one, ranked college in the country versus the number two ranked college in the country. I think that sort of competitive, that competitiveness for just more and more expensive schools is really not worth it, I would say. And like we've been saying, I think a lot of college, I think the social side of college, you're probably going to get anywhere. Obviously you're going to get a social network like Harvard's if you go to Harvard, but for the most part, the sort of like great social bonds and experiences we had, um, you know, you're going to get that at an expensive private school or at a state school or at a community, well, maybe not a community college. I think that, I think living on campus does bring something unique. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't think that you need to, I, I really don't think that teenagers should be given, put so much pressure to, uh, have to compete and really sacrifice so much, uh, of their, their life towards applying it. It's almost like a religious thing of like, you know, you want to be accepted into heaven in a way. It's like, you're really, you know, trying to like live a, this sinless, I'm trying to think of the right way of phrasing this analogy, but um, yeah, it's almost like a, you know, you're going to be judged. It's like a, almost a, a day of judgment being, accepted into college or not. And it's really not like, it's really not a, what colleges you're, 
um, accepted into really is not a judgment on who you are. And it's not a, it's not going to be the deciding factor for how your life goes. So I really think that, uh, should be de-emphasized for, for students. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I, it, it may, it makes me think of the fact that it's when you're in high school, this you've been in school, basically your entire uh, conscious life. And then when you're reaching the end of that, it's, I, it's almost natural to say, well, the, this school that I'm in right now is telling me to go do more school just at a different place. And that's all I've known for all, for all that I can remember. So it seems easy enough to just continue along with that sort of way of life. Whereas, you know, it's not, I don't, I don't think it should be pushed on high schoolers as much that you should go to college. If, you know, you, you know, even if you're getting really good grades and, you know, one of the better students in the class it's it shouldn't be sort of implied and encouraged to definitely go to college because there's plenty of other opportunities out there in the trades and just like you know the the opportunities you get just interacting with people and just in everyday life is much more important, I think, than the actual, um, what's the word? Curriculum? Yeah, like the curriculum and the accolade of going to college per se. It's, there's so much more opportunity out there than just you you know if you don't go to college then you gotta do some bum job for the rest of your life there's yeah i just i just i wish it was less emphasized like you said in high school and sort of explains more clearly but you know that's going down the road of cynicism again and you know no need to do that Um, you guys have both said very interesting and thoughtful things so far. I think there's three things that I would say to add. And I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to repeat too much. So that's why I'm just doing these three. But I think the first thing is if you're not fully sure that you want to go to college, I think you should try community college first. Um, I don't like Nate, you mentioned community college, but we haven't really talked about it at all, which I think is somewhat shameful on our part, but that's okay. Cause we only have two hours to do this, but, um, I think that's an option that like a lot of people go to college for a year and they drop out because they don't like it. It's too hard or it's not what they expected. Um, but the, what the problem is they go to an expensive school and they're, they, now they're 40,000, $50,000 in the hole because they had to take out lots of loans and stuff. But if you go to community college, which there are, there are several, right. Many community college, many community colleges all across the country 
it just gives you an opportunity to explore what it's like to be a little bit more independent than you were in high school, um, to check out the coursework, see if any of the things that you are sort of thinking about make sense to you. And if you don't like it, then it's like two or $3,000 a year and you can just pull out. And if you want it, you can do two years and you get an associate's degree. And then like lots of state schools like UMass have this great program where if you get a certain amount of, um, if you have a certain GPA at a, a community college, then like you're automatically accepted into UMass at the business school or at the honors program or something. I forget which, but like those, those are options that I think not enough people are encouraged to pursue. And I think more people should be encouraged to pursue them. So I'm encouraging people to pursue them. Okay. So that's number one. Number two is um, I think they, I think we as a country should figure out how to expand um, apprenticeship programs and it should go just, it should go beyond the trades. As you mentioned, Stephen, it shouldn't just be people who want to be plumbers or electricians or whatever. It should be people who want to do computer science um, should be able to train um, on the job. People who want to do maybe like um, some like basic finance things should be able to train on the job. There are so many things that should not require college degrees because you can learn the skills on the job. And I think an apprenticeship program would really make a lot of sense because I think one of the things that you learn more from you, you learn, I think you learn more from a, a mentor who's good than anything else. Someone who you can talk to like all the time who you're with for eight hours in a day like you can learn so much more from them than you can learn from any 150 person lecture in a college class. So I would say apprenticeship programs, that'd be, that'd be the second thing. And the third thing is um, if it's your goal to go to college and get as a, as a career training program, like let's say these apprenticeship programs don't actually pop up in the next couple of years and you just decide you need to do it, but you are still, you're still keeping your eye on, uh, on the ball of getting a sort of like a world-class education and trying to expand your horizons and stuff. We have never lived in a better time um, as human beings to be able to pursue those things on your own. And that's something that I've discovered. I think I've learned more on my own, just listening to podcasts, which are all free, uh, reading books, um, even like YouTube videos can be very, um, can be very informative as long as you're just, I mean, you have to be smart about what you're, what the sort of content you're consuming, because there's so much of it out there that you have to be, you have to be a careful judge of the content of, or the quality of the content, but we've never lived in a better time. Like I said, to be able to pursue that sort of um, eye-opening experience, as long as you, as long as you kind of commit to it and you um, you're conscious about the decisions that you're making. So I would say that like, even if you, if, if you want to get that education that, that we have been talking about, then you can do it on your own. It's just going to take more effort on your part because you have to actually do the reading and the hard work of the thinking through things yourself. You could listen to the supply and demand podcast. Uh, yeah, for, for that's step one. Education. Yeah, you could learn a lot. Yeah. Learn what not learn to do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could uh, like for yeah. real. Sorry, I'm just gonna say no, you could like for real become a mechanic by watching YouTube videos. Yeah, you could. You, you wouldn't yeah. have all the equipment necessary, most likely. Like you would need like, you know, one of those, you know, things that lift the car up. I don't know what are those called. 
jack well is it is it still called the jack even if like the whole car goes up in the air oh i don't know i think so yeah all right i should watch a youtube video about it 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 might be a lift i don't know know. some hydraulics maybe yeah i I haven't watched that youtube video so i don't know jack lift but listeners write into us tell us what it is yeah i'll get on that i'll I'll watch a youtube video right after Mm, i don't really know how to follow up you know what's already been said i guess um one of the things i think i i did pretty well on in college was like asking and i know probably to a fault in a lot of ways but like asking a lot of questions um like of myself and like of the people around me like of my professors like of like coworkers, um and just like i i feel like i learned so much about who i was and like what i wanted to do and what i didn't want to do from just like asking questions and and i don't know it, it would a lot of that you know it's, it's a lot of the intangible stuff and the non-traditional stuff about the college path that i think really paid off in dividends for me in the long run but i do yeah i think i just wish that i started asking questions earlier right like i i wish that being pushed to think and and to and to, to to think about like your future and to think about um yeah, different paths. And, and I know this overlaps a lot with what's already been said, was just something that was pushed sooner. And I think a lot of people would come to a lot of different conclusions if that was the case. I know that I did once I started asking those questions. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty basic advice. But, like, um, I think that, yeah, when you think about college, um, yeah, you should you should definitely ask yourself and the people – um pushing you toward those decisions a lot of questions um you know even if you even if you don't want to even if you think you have all the answers um as 18 year olds often do um you definitely don't you definitely don't um 23 24 year old me knows a lot less than 18 year old me thought that they did um and uh, I think, yeah, a great thing that Greg kind of touched on earlier was like, just just never stop learning and never stop using your experiences as opportunities to learn. And you'll never stop being like a better person, I think, for, for that. That seems like a, a beautiful place to end off on. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, I agree, trying to just trying to make the most of everything, you know, trying to make the most of um, everything, including, you know, including what isn't college, those, you know, outside learning job experiences. I think there's so much to gain uh, just from being attentive to that. So I think that's a, uh, and just the self asking yourself the important questions as well. So couldn't agree more, Mike. Um, Well, we address listener mail at the end or at the beginning, I should say. So I don't think there's any real um, housekeeping we need to get through to uh, wrap this up. Uh, does anyone have any last closing thoughts, uh, supply and demand updates? Keep asking us questions. Yes, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you go to college? Uh, did you think it was worth it? Let us know. Maybe we'll, uh, We'll debrief your uh, 
answering questions. <laughs> um, another thing I would suggest is if you have any, if any listeners have any topics that um, they, that you would like us to discuss, um, send us a DM on Instagram. It's at supply demand pod. Um, and uh, we will certainly take a look. I'm not going to guarantee that we will answer your very questions, but um, I think, uh, I mean, we're certainly not the only people who have things to talk about. So if you want to talk about, if you want us to talk about stuff, if you want to pick a bone with what we're saying, or if you want to have us expand on something, um, we are more than willing to, uh, to go down that road with you guys. Agreed. All right. Um, this was a pleasure. Uh, I enjoyed doing this. I look forward to doing more. This uh, should be arriving. Uh, should have already arrived in your in your favorite podcast feed in November, and you should look forward to another episode in December. So until then, um, enjoy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Stay in school. Yeah, yeah. yeah whatever exactly. your school, <laughs> whatever your school is. Maybe yeah. maybe it's work. Maybe it's chilling. Stay or indoors. don't stay in school if you don't want. Mm-hmm. If that's your your school is not school, then stay in that. Just stay bullying. That's the main point. Stay the course. All right. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye.